Welcome to Overcome Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk with Maxine Lizaw, a black belt, third dan in karate, and ranked top 100 in her weight category. She has uh, an amazing comeback story uh, from one of her injuries back in 2016, 15 and 16, and uh, she has a lot of experience on this area. Now she is a uh, coach, but still competing. As a matter of fact, she's going to compete this month and has some very interesting insights to share with all of us. Stay tuned. Maxine Lizard, welcome to the Overcome Podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time on your busy day uh, to be here with us. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah, Maxine, uh, we met back in 2015. I, re I still remember that day. You were on the book signing session at, this, at Destination mm -hmm. <laughs> with Jody. Uh, and I remember you, li you read half of the book just on, during the time that you were there. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, the the podcast is about overcoming. And I've I've been following you since the day we met uh, on your journey uh, through karate. Uh, competitor is is not only that you teach, but you also compete. Right. So I've I've seen a lot of bruises and and a lot <laughs> of uh, things going on. Um, and you had a baby one year ago. I, I was actually remember that um, you were pregnant and doing some deadlifts. So I thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, w w tell tell us a little bit about this uh, this journey. I think that uh, there was some posts that you mentioned as soon as you got pregnant about you were not powerless and and, and it was almost like you were adjusting yourself during that time uh, to continue doing what you were doing. But of course, you had to take a break. But you were, you did until you could, right? Yeah, it it always for me. I don't know if it's from being stubborn or creative, but I'm always wanting to find a way to keep going and training. Obviously, when I found out I was having a baby, I can no longer compete, but I still had this thought in the back of my mind, like, well, I can still do some things and stay in it. And quite honestly, that's been very characteristic of a lot of my injuries throughout my competitive career. You know, if, mm -hmm. if I literally lose one leg, I'll try to make the other leg as good as possible. <laughs> Um, and it's, that's carried with me for a very long time. But when you were pregnant, did you stop training karate or uh, were you just lifting or you were doing a little bit of both? I had to stop doing contact work, of course. Um, so that's why I switched to doing a lot of pad work and more boxing stuff. I kept lifting until it no longer felt good to um, and if it just the big thing was it had to become much more of a solo training mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. more drills did you do did you were, were you still be able to kick when you were pregnant because I it remember got, it was a big belly <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it got to a point where I more so because of the hip mobility yeah and just the laxity in it I, I couldn't kick anymore it was too painful so I, I got really good at punching <laughs> <Stay>. <laughs> Since you had a baby, did you compete or you've, you've been out since then? I am actually planning on competing a week from tomorrow. I returned to my first tournament. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. Great timing. So are you prepping? I, I've been 
Honestly, since COVID started, I've gone back into really seriously training where I've been working with an international coach, Denis Morozov from Ukraine. He's been exceptional, uh, you know, and obviously it's over Zoom, but, you know, I've been able to make that slow comeback. And mm. in some ways, COVID, with the cancellation of so many tournaments, it gave me more time to prepare. And so it was for me a secret blessing. Obviously, it's been a very difficult year for the most yeah. part, yeah. but I've, I'm really looking forward to this tournament and as well as half the country because it's one of the first big karate tournaments since COVID. Yeah, that's was what I was going to ask. Is this the first uh, big one since COVID uh, outbreak? I would say so. The last major one would have been in February or March, right before all the shutdowns started. Is it going to be here in Texas now? It will be at the Western Galleria in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, in awesome. You could actually watch it webcasted. So <laughs> that's Good. awesome. I'll make sure that you watch for sure. Thank and, you. <laughs> and um, uh, do you think the turnout will be big because people are just waiting to compete, or you think it's still people are still not really full, fully, you know, um, receptive to contact with all this COVID stuff? I think it's going to depend on the division. For example, I'm not the only one competing because I'm also a coach, and some of my kids' divisions are pretty big, like eight to ten people. And then I have other students where there's no one. So I think it's you either have people that are really hardcore and ready to go, and then you have other people that are going to wait. Um, I know my division personally, it's kind of there's my kilogram category, mm -hmm. even though they're not real weigh-ins and then the open weight category I figure open weight will be a very good size and have a really good repertoire of athletes so yeah. I'm looking at that that's awesome now talking about karate and the competitions and then you you started saying that you had some injuries uh, there was any particular injury that um, you had during your uh, karate career that had to you had to really stop training because of that injury that required any surgery or long recover <laughs> I'm just trying to think how to summarize it fast um, and like I said before usually when I'm injured I'm always so determined to find a way to train um, in 2015 right around the time you met me I actually had hernia surgery I had abdominal hernia hmm. And I had to get surgery in April of that year. But the month before, I was competing at the Pan American Championships, and I actually earned bronze. Mm. And I was really limited in my skill set of what I could do, so I just became incredibly exceptional at it. <laughs> and I was able to produce a medal there and produce a medal at the North American Cup. And then I had surgery in April, and I was completely sidelined for a good four to six months because I thought I could come back from it quickly, and it it was a very vicious recovery just because of having abdominal surgery. Um, that would be one of the ones. Yeah, during those six, four to six months that you were sidelined, knowing you that you are an extremely active person, how that really affected you mentally? Uh, it was tough to, to stay out? It, it's hard. It's like, you know, when you see a caged tiger that remembers yeah. living in the wild, And you could tell it's just waiting for that opportunity to get out. It, you, you feel that. You feel very restless. Um, you know, people tell you to spend your energy elsewhere. But when it kind of happens overnight, you're, exactly. it's, it's very difficult to do. That's and, exactly what I'm feeling. You know, I feel <laughs> like uh, I'm not myself anymore. This part of losing the identity, you know, is what really um, uh, drove me crazy for months. 
Yeah, I, I and I understand. And I'm glad you're healing. It's like you're back to working out, which is good. Yeah, at least upper body. Uh, uh, lower <laughs> body is going to take a little longer. Uh, but on your case with the hernia surgery, did you have to stop everything, uh, lifting, everything? You had completely stopped? Yeah, because the doctor said, oh, in six weeks, you can go back to normal activity. So in my head, I thought, oh, okay, so in six weeks, I can go back to lifting, sprinting, and then six weeks arrived, and he was like, no, you could go back to walking or picking up groceries, <laughs> you know? Um, and it, it was a big wake-up call. You know, I'd never had something so significant where I had to stop training, and I was actually originally thinking I was going to go to the national championships that year, and I had to get a medical exemption to do the trials the following year. So it was it was a bit overwhelming, and to be honest, it's like I finally was at a point where I started recovering and training, and then I was sidelined with another major injury, which really impacted my life. You oh, know? really? And, which one was that? Um, well, what happened was, so I was finally recovered from hernia surgery, and I was training for the team trials in January 2016. And five weeks before the event, I was in a major car crash. My car was totaled. I had a head injury on the left side with a concussion. Oh, I actually remember those. I actually remember yeah. that story. Uh, I remember seeing the pictures. Yeah, and of course the doctor said four to six weeks, and then you can go back. So at five and a half weeks, I jumped in and went to my trials. I made it to the finals, and I got a second concussion, and it was significant. Where I developed post-concussion syndrome. I had a total change in my personality. I actually had to go on medical leave from my work, it, and uh, there's such a significant series of events that followed it that changed the course of my life. Wow. Pretty, I gotta admit. <laughs> How was the rehab during that time? It, it was a lot of up and down, where I would think I'm making improvements, and then you just get knocked back. Like, at first, I just tried to rest but then I try to go back to training or working because I was a full-time teacher at the time and I'd have lapses in my memory or I'd start having panic attacks and I my affect was totally changed where I would just be totally depressed, not want to be around anyone, you know. And, and of course, this whole time, I had qualified for the Pan American team and was supposed to be getting ready for Pan American championships, but I knew there was something significantly wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And... Some of my coaches recognized it and were encouraging me, hey, you need to get more help, more help. And then I'd have other coaches telling me, don't exaggerate your symptoms to the doctor. You know, they were acting like I was perfectly fine because they didn't understand the, you know, severity of a concussion injury. And it finally came down to where I had to have a coach really step in and tell me, you need to stand up for yourself and say you're hurt and get appropriate treatment. And I was going to this one doctor who wasn't helping so I finally had to, you know, assert myself to the national coach saying, I won't be able to compete. You know, I had to go to a different doctor. But it was really scary. Like, at one point, I thought of killing myself because I, I was so changed in my head. Like, things weren't right at all. Like, what I, I Was that 2016 or 17? This was 2016. So it was the whole first third, first half of that year was like that. Wow. And at that point when you're that injured 
you start to find out who actually cares or doesn't. Oh, yeah. Care. You said something that I've been saying for a long time. Um, you realize who your friends are during this time. Um, some people will go away. Some people will only be around you when you are at your peak. Yeah. Uh, when you are down, some people just disappear. And it's really scary when, even though, and you can understand this, where karate, it's a team sport in that you have a team, but your event is individual. And all of a sudden, you know, the rug's pulled up from under you, you've lost your ability to compete, and the way that teammates or coaches treat you changes radically, where you're, you're no longer a, a usable feature yeah. for the sport. Yeah. And people just think you're going to disappear and never come back. And that that really that hurts. That hurts yeah. a lot. That hurts yeah. a lot. Mainly, as I said, mentally is a struggle. Probably, I think physically you were hurt, but mentally was much more. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, but and, and you're right. Uh, same thing with judo and jujitsu is an individual um, competition, but there is a team behind, uh, and sometimes you you have the same feeling. I would say. Exactly. Because you're not able to produce, you're not able to be on the training. Um, so it's almost like, well, you're not contributing anyway. Yeah, and unless you have a coach that can center in on what you can still do, even if it's just sports psychology or recovery or just personal growth, a lot of coaches will leave you for dead. And it sounds really harsh to say that, but unless you have a certain coach that understands that you can produce something, Even when you're at the bottom of the abyss, mm -hmm. they, they will leave you behind, especially and, in a sport when it comes to trying to find the cream of the crop. Right. And, and what brought you back? Um, how was the, the comeback for you? It was with help of a coach or it was only uh, self-determination? <laughs> um, well, one, obviously getting the appropriate medical help was a big deal. I spent a lot of my personal money not paid by insurance to get neurological treatment, you know, like things that weren't with medicine, things that required me to go out of the state. But a big thing that gave me that that push to come back was when karate was formally um, put into the Olympics. So in August of 2016, the announcement was made that karate would go into the 2020 Olympics. And I was like, well, I could try, you know, I could totally try for that goal. And even though I was kind of at baseline at zero, I was like, I have nothing to lose. So this and year will be the first year karate will make Olympics? Yeah, it's, well, obviously now 2021, but it's going in as a demo sport. So, of course, Japan will have all of their athletes because it's the host country, but there had been a whole 18-month process for athletes to try and qualify. And there's going to be one more event in May of next year to get the final seats filled. When you say is it going to be a demo, is 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 just a trial, and then is going to be incorporated, or that we would just try? What happened is apparently they're having it in 2021 at this point, but it's not being included in the Paris edition in 2024, and that's what had happened about a year or so ago with the announcement. But of course, now with COVID, I feel like everything's going to be up in the air, and naturally, karate athletes are trying to get the sport to remain in. You know, and I know for um, like wrestling, it was booted out and then booted in. And I know for a lot of karateka, a lot of karate athletes, they're wanting to keep this in because it's been the dream for so many years is to make karate an Olympic sport. Yeah. 
Well, it, it so they come back. It was you, you were just going through that direction that you have a lot of uh, uh, medical help and everything. But knowing you, I think that you also had a lot of self-discipline and, and determination to come back better, right? Uh, what drove you you that? Just like I want to be better than I was. I want to prove. You know what? What was the main motivation for you to to come back? I felt like I hadn't reached my best yet. You know, I, I, for having had a hernia this around the same, or just the year prior, and I was able to come home with a Pan American medal. I was that year the only female fighter to have done it on the U.S. team. I was the underdog. No one expected that out of me. Sorry, my cat. Um, so suddenly I, I just had this new efficacy in myself thinking like, what else am I capable of? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I just... I didn't want to deny myself that chance. And so it was like, I just started putting in the work where I really dialed in my nutrition. I made sure my, my brain was healthy. You know, I had made considerations to change weight classes, but I was like, I need to be fit. I need to be smart. I, I need to be in the prime. And that was a big thing that caused me to leap into international competition in 2017. I was traveling to so many countries and tournaments throughout that year, even though I continue to have health issues. But oh, so was- your, your comeback did happen only in 2017. It took one more than a year then. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's never a one-time event that makes your comeback. You know, as much as it seems easy to see it that way, it's always going to be baby steps. You yeah, know, it's what- a progression. But when I say yeah. the comeback, is, is like the first competition after the, the whole turmoil. Right, because I think the first one after the whole turmoil is the, probably the difficult one because you are still adjusting and you're like, am I still able to do this? You know, so there is a lot of doubts in your head probably on the first one. After that one, you are naturally progressing in the right direction. Yeah, you can say that, but at the same time, like, so, okay, I was injured in January 2016 with the head injury, and I was able to return to competing in December 2016, and I remember I was so giddy, like, I was shaking, I was so excited, you know, it was like, you know, like a kid's birthday party, and my coaches were like, calm down, calm down, like, they were really trying to downplay, well, <laughs> the significance to me, like, yeah. this, re, you know, rebirth, and if anything, I miss the enthusiasm I had at that tournament because all the subsequent tournaments started to have a lot of pressure because all of a sudden it was like, okay, now you're on this journey. It has to be really hardcore. You right. know, and like that first event, if anything, there's just a lot of joy because finally I'm back to doing what I want to do. And so I- that's interesting because you would think also that uh, you had some sort of a mix of emotions, uh, probably some hesitant moments of not. For example, not getting kicked in the head, right? So you were never concerned about protecting, overprotecting, uh, over defense or something like that to, to not get hurt again? I would say that came back later as I started to get into higher level competition, especially even though the person who gave me my concussion, it wasn't her fault since I already was injured beforehand. That person haunted me to the point where I, I was chasing after a different weight class. So it came down to where if it involved something with that person, that fear was there. Hmm. But if it was in an event where she wasn't there, then it, it was it was more doable. And it took me a very long time to finally confront that fear. 
partly because when I got injured again, it was by someone else, which made me realize, hey, it's not just one person. But then secondly, when I finally had a rematch against her, I didn't win, but I came out knowing that I could still be healthy. And that that takes a long time to overcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's a great point. It takes a long time to overcome. When you you think that you were like 100% mentally and physically, like probably 2018? <laughs> or, I don't know or not even ever, that? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been mentally like good to go. Because <laughs> um, it, it, it's... I didn't ever give myself a chance. There is things outside of my control that would affect me in terms of my health or mindset. And then there are things within my control where I, I, I would sabotage myself. You know, a lot of negative self-talk or maybe not taking the initiative to change my coaching environment or personal environment when I should have. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like there are a lot of, there's a lot of anchors throughout that journey that limited what I was capable of. And I'll, I'll be sure I'm saying some of it was my doing. And, and you kind of have to learn. You have to learn to accept that. You know, I, I felt like, quite honestly, my closing point of success was my last tournament before being pregnant in December 2018, when at that point I had changed my coaching environment. I changed the environment who, of, who my teammates or former teammates were and I was able to come out successful and win a tournament. And even though it wasn't the, the tournament that would get me into the Olympics or you know the, the biggest tournament on earth, it was still something where I came out winning and I was able to do it on my terms. Yeah. And I was able to do it as healthy as I could at the time. And how many matches did you have on that tournament? That day I had, I had three matches and I had two where I won kilo and then I had one in open weight, which at that point I had done, I was doing for fun because I was injured already. So. But you were competing on the same uh, weight division that you were before or you were up or, or down? It was, so it was in a lightweight category, although I was heavier than I normally would be because nor I used to compete in the 55 kilogram 121 mm -hmm. and at a lot of local tournaments, they just split it in two between like you know, plus 60 or minus 60. So I was still in the same range of fighters I normally would face, but my body was really different at the time. And I actually didn't realize that that tournament I was pregnant. <laughs> so that, that was- Oh, pregnant. you were already pregnant at that tournament. <laughs> and yeah. you didn't know. So, it, and that's kind of part of what, you know, I give credit to my daughter for winning that last tournament. But um, <laughs> but that, that was kind of the thing where at a point where even though Maybe in some ways I was at a low emotionally or physically. I I was able to really go over those things, accept what I couldn't have, and then went, a, went after what I wanted. And in that event, I was able to win. On the next one, which is, you said, uh, this year, are you going to stay on the same category, same weight division? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going ahead and doing the heavyweight because I... I just want to fight a different group of girls. And then I know if any of the lightweight girls, I'll meet them in the open weight category. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I don't want to think anything about weight. I don't want someone to look yeah, at you me. Don't have, oh. you, at least you don't have to diet pretty hard and everything, you know. Uh, that's the good thing about going on the heavy. Uh, I usually compete uh, super heavy. So that way right. I don't need to, to, to drop a, a whole lot. Probably drop a, a four pounds and that's it. Yeah. And, th and that's the thing. I... I 
I don't know how I'm going to do next weekend, even though I can say I've been training very hard up to it, but everyone has variables and I might do great. I might not do great, but I'm not going to lose because I'm going to put myself in that position. You know, if I, if I lose, the girl is much better than me. It's not because I, you I, sabotage yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great mindset. Uh, it's very important. And, and probably if you think that way, COVID probably was a good thing for you from the sense of this whole break. You took a whole break uh, for a long time. It gave you time to reflect. It gave time to, yeah. you know, bounce back and now and focus on different things on your daughter and your family and perhaps even create a better balance right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it, and it comes down to where, and I, I know you can relate to this because you, you have a daughter where, you know, when we're injured and we're wanting to go after a goal, our kids are going to see how we handle that. You know, are we just going to completely lay down and give up or are we going to moan and lament and kind of, you know, half-heartedly go after it? Or are we going to show our kids like you can aggressively go after something within the range you're allowed. And that's what I'm trying to do. Cause at some point my daughter, she'll, she'll remember what I'm doing yeah. and maybe she won't ever see me compete but I hope she'll at least remember my worth ethic and the example that I want her to have when she grows up yeah yeah that, that's a that's an excellent point uh, when did the, the school that you teach uh, resume uh, the, the classes um, uh, with the COVID stuff we well we were shut down in March but we continued on Zoom and we were able to come back to in-person training in June so Give or take, we've been able to. So you are you know, for, for the next competition. Were you training, uh, or you were just doing doing uh, Zoom sessions for yourself? You know, I'm talking about your own prep. Right. Um, so during the lockdown, I was able to continue my training over Zoom, and at that point, you know, Zoom allows you to train with anyone in the world. So I was able to create this huge network of people internationally regarding people physically to train with probably back in October was when we finally felt comfortable enough to let our students start doing contact work with each other because we weren't sure about tournaments. We didn't want to put anyone at a risk when they didn't necessarily need it. But once we heard of a tournament coming, it started at the beginning of October, we were like, okay, let's go back. And so for me, what would happen is during the week, I'd do all my Zoom training sessions with my coach And then on the weekends when I would have actual team training where I was the coach, I'd also physically get to work with people as well. So it's it's not optimal mm -hmm. for someone that's trying to compete in a black belt division. So I had to make it a focus of quality versus quantity in my trainings when it came to partner drills and partner work. So the sparring only happens on, on the weekend? For now, yeah. you know. As we wait to see what happens with all the lockdowns and election stuff, our plans to go back to almost everything normal in January other than masks. So. And, and do you have someone on your level to sparring with at, at your uh, dojo? I have a few girls that are better than they realize they are. <laughs> but I, I acknowledge the fact that I came from a system that produces competitive athletes. And my school is very traditional and we don't have that pipeline yet. So I recognize that maybe some of my athletes don't have the caliber and experience I do, but I'll still push them to believe that they can become that way. So, you know, if they do something better than me, great. 
you know, I'm learning from it. If I show them something and they learn from it, great. You know, and I have to accept the fact that, no, you're never going to have ideal training partners. I'm never going to have an ideal schedule, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to make the best of it. You know, same thing. You know, I still have certain injuries that I carry now as an older adult versus when I was 19, but I can still have a strong training session and still improve each time. Correct. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, uh, Now with your wisdom and experience, (laughs) do you feel like you can work uh, more smart to prevent some of the injuries? Uh, because you have, we are way more aware of positioning and, and all those things uh, rather than in the past that probably were more explosive and, and, and not really measuring some of this stuff. I think that all those injuries also brought a lot of experience, right? Yeah, and I think a big thing is knowing when to back off or stop. That's been my biggest struggle because a lot of my injuries, I think, was either overuse where I would try to do something to the point of breaking or I was attempting a weight, you know, for a lifting session when I should have just rested that day. And at the time in my head, I thought, no. And if anything, being sleep deprived, raising my daughter has helped me learn to accept you're just going to go at a lower capacity today. And I think other than having one flare up with my back, but that's from an old injury that's come and gone over the years. I've been able to stay safe. And I know for a lot of women coming back postpartum, they'll either have knee or hip problems or other stuff. And, you know, I'm doing my best. And I want to at least show other women too that you can still take care of yourself, but you don't have to resign and give up competing or whatever personal endeavor you had. Yeah. Are you lifting, training, weight training every day or are you like doing three times a week? It's it's not frequent. I would say once or twice a week I'm lifting now. And I just prioritize certain lifts. I can prioritize squat pressing and deadlift movements or squat bench pressing and power clean movements. So I'm going back to a bit of the old school mm-hmm. things that I did when I was a teenager, when I was starting to get strong. Because I, I just don't have time to be in the gym for two hours. You yeah. know, when you're trying to work and trying to take care of a child, like, you have to prioritize this stuff. And also, there are some exercises that will be much better for you as a competitor, karate competitor, than others. You don't need to do isolation exercise. You need to do those core explosive exercises much better anyway. Exactly. You know, and it's the same thing where I'm not trying to cut weight. So I've really eliminated a lot of the cardio work because it would trash me with my recovery. And if it's not making me fast and explosive right now, I, I, I can't take my time to do that because I don't have as much time anymore. Oh, so that's accept- interesting. So the, you don't need, you, you really don't need cardio for karate? I mean, is how, how many minutes they, they, they match? Like five minutes? Well, it's like three minutes with stop time. So it's a more matter of like probably the best type of cardio would be like doing fartlek runs where it's like you jog and then you sprint, jog and sprint, mm. jog and sprint the whole interval of your running. If you just do long, slow distance running, it can help drop your fat, but it's dealing with different muscle fibers and a whole different energy system. And I I honestly felt like the time when I was always cutting weight and running, I was never quite as explosive as when I got to focus more on Olympic lifts or sprint work. So I've had to kind of change gears on that now. Cool, cool. And I was reading your bio and you also did judo some time ago, right? Um, yeah, briefly. <laughs> not, not at the Eastside Dojo. There was an instructor 
at the former school I trained at where he was part of USA Judo. And I, I technically tested for ninth Q, but then he, I, I didn't really get to continue after that. That's honestly something I'd like to do kind of for fun. Yeah. Uh, how do you compare, how do you compare the Randori in Judo to a match in Karate? Because I feel like the Randori is uh, very intensive the, from the cardio perspective. It's like five minutes, very intensive. I'm not sure about uh, how that compares with Karate. Right. And any type of grappling sport is going to really uh, test you. I, I briefly got to cross train with some of the wrestling teams in the Plano area and got to learn skills there. And it's like any type of grappling groundwork, it, it will gas you. Karate can, but the advantages with the footwork and the movement, which would be more reminiscent of boxing or Taekwondo, you have more opportunities to recover and for me with striking it kind of uses a different set of muscle you know fibers and different energy pathways so that you know you can punch really explosively as a single and then move or recover and then again throw another you know explosive right, single where right. it, it, if you're in a clinch you can't relax in the clinch mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and same thing karate you can't relax in the distance but you can at least you know maintain a certain distance to recover Nowadays, do you feel more fulfilled as a competitor as a, or as a coach? Like, what is the fulfillment for you have one of your pupils that won a tournament or you, you won, uh, winning a tournament? <laughs> well, I could probably tell you more about that next weekend. But, and, you know, part of the – but I would say coaching right now just because when you become a parent – you realize how self-centered you were before having a kid and and I feel like becoming a mom has really changed the way that I want to coach where obviously before I would be very all giving as a coach but I also wanted to be super elite prime as an athlete and now it's where I understand my coaching and athleticism may not always increase at the same time But I know, like, okay, as long as I can see growth in my students, I'm going to be okay because at this point now, my growth is going to be different from theirs. Um, and, and, of course, with COVID, with the lack of tournaments, we tried to host, like, you know, inner school tournaments or online tournaments. And, it, you know, me trying to advocate for my athletes to stay competitive and compete, you know, I realized that that also – forced me to put more priority as a coach yes so next and, weekend you're going to have a very unique experience because you're going to be coaching and computing for the first time yeah I, i've done it before but not with the level of ownership that i have now and and that's something i'm really thankful for where maybe before i would try to coach and i felt like my experience was valid but i wasn't necessarily in an environment where i could focus on coaching as much as i do now so now it's where If my athlete performs really well, I know they did their best. And if my athlete performs poorly, I'll, I'll take ownership of that and recognize, okay, there's certain skills or strategies I need to better address and teach to them, or maybe a certain work ethic I need to adjust in them. And so that to me, I am pretty excited. And, and because the tournament split into two days to help with the distancing, I can focus exclusively on coaching the first day. Oh, that's great. So I it's going to be Saturday and Sunday? Mm-hmm. So, and they're going to have like the younger group go 
on Saturday and then us older people go on Sunday. And I, I almost like coaching the younger kids more because they have no fear. They're either totally scared and learn to get over it or they have no fear whatsoever. <laughs> and, and so you just let them go for Is it. Is this going to be a, a tournament where you wear protection gear and everything? Yeah, I mean, we always wear pads and shin and instep covers. They're going to make athletes wear their masks until they walk into the ring. Right. So once you walk in to do your cuts or kumite, you get to take the mask off for that time period. So I'm really, if anything, I'm trying to tell athletes and tell myself, like, okay, when you take your mask off, that's like you unleashing everything, <laughs> you know? That's the only time you get to enjoy not wearing a mask in the whole video. Yeah. <laughs> so, make it worth you know, it. Have fun. Exactly. Have fun. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, now more uh, like a personal question because um, mm -hmm. starting competing in, in jiu-jitsu, uh, I started competing mm -hmm. in jiu-jitsu in 2019. Yeah, it was my first year competing in jiu-jitsu. I was doing a lot of right. bodybuilding before, but um, I still, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this is gonna ever go away. You still a lot of, I, I get a lot of nerves before the match. Like 30 minutes before the match, I start to have those butterfly in my stomach and. It's not really pump. It's more like anxious, you know. Uh, as soon as yeah. I am in the mat, it, it comes down. But before, right. it's crazy. Do you have the same thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, if anything, I, I get more worried if I'm not nervous. Because <laughs> then I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I don't care enough. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely gone through the growing phase where the nerves... Uh, caused me to burn out right before competing. But now what I've done is I, I get nervous, but then I remind myself, well, why are you nervous? Okay, I want to do well. I don't want to get my butt kicked. And it's like, well, do you have to compete? And you're like, well, no, I want to compete. And then your brain's like, well, you want to do this, so why aren't you excited? Yeah. And so for me, I, I just start getting all like, you know, peppy and excited and I smile, you know, I'll smile fighting and that totally weirds people out. <laughs> Because, you know, we have to remember, we don't have to compete. Right. We're choosing to, you know. And if, and especially now with what's going on in the world, how wonderful of a privilege we have where we can use our bodies and athleticism and just show off our, our martial training. You know, not a lot of people get to or want to do that. So to me, I, I just use the nerves to remind myself why I enjoy it so much. Yeah, that's a great strategy. I, I, I'm pretty sure I will try to remember that next time because uh, <laughs> prior to that, um, it, it's just ridiculous to a point that every time that I'm waiting those 30 minutes prior to the fight, I, I always say, oh, this is going to be my last <laughs> tournament. I cannot handle this anymore. This is, ho this is horrible, you know. <laughs> But then as soon as it finished, I was like, well, I don't do it again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's uh, it's just a, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, but I, I think uh, it come with time. You manage this better. I and mean, you've been doing this for way longer than me. Probably more than more than ten years already. Um, I've been doing black belt of a competition since two thousand seven. Yeah, so thirteen wow. years now. That's a lot. But I mean, like you know, you do presentations and stuff. Yeah, but it's There a different. Probably... Yeah, it's a different feeling because no one is trying to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> 
<laughs> there true. is this uh, aspect, you know, it's like bodybuilding. People ask, you never got nervous to compete bodybuilding? No, I'm just flexing. I'm just in the stage flexing and smiling. It's, it's fun, you know. It's actually a moment of celebration. To me, bodybuilding was always a moment to celebrate all the hard work that you've done throughout the prep, all the, the, right. the, the training and everything. So to me, when I was on stage, it was a moment to show uh, the work that I've done, right? Uh, exactly. With jiu-jitsu and judo, I competed judo for the first time this year in in March in uh, March before yeah. the COVID. It was the same thing. I was uh, super no nervous, but it, I was less nervous than jiu-jitsu, and and I remember being less nervous than jiu-jitsu because to me it was like, well, if 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 I'm able to take this guy down, the fight is over. You know, jiu-jitsu, right. I take the guy down. We are just getting started <laughs> that's yeah. where it really start on the floor right uh so judo yeah. to me was uh better uh i won my first uh competition but it was like the first match was like one minute and the second one was like one minute and 15 uh because right. uh, as soon as you take it down it land on the back is yeah. over right um so i think that it was less i was less nervous on, on the judo than on jiu-jitsu yeah and like you said with experience experience builds confidence where you have to know you can handle being under that kind of pressure for an extended time frame and sometimes in the lack of experience you have to use visualization at that point you know and it's not just blowing smoke up your butt it's like you visualize being successful every time you do that every night before bed you write it down and it does become easier over time. This uh, strategy that I heard many times, Anthony Hop, uh, uh, Anthony Robbins uh, saying that, uh, mm -hmm. visualization. So you use a lot of visualization? Oh, yeah. And I mean, a big contributor to me meddling at the Pan American Championships was uh, getting to interact with a coach, uh, Akira Fukuda, with um, a lot of his sports t uh, psychology. And a lot of it was with writing. A lot of it was with power statements, um, being able to control physiological aspects of yourself, like your heart rate. That that was a game changer. And so I'm kind of having to use that again, even though I don't formally have a sports psych coach now, because that 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 is a huge aspect in high-level competition that people take for granted. Wow. Even the heart rate you are able to control, uh, basically. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and probably you are just transferring all this knowledge to your students right now, right? Because I'm, I bet that some of those students will be the first time in the competition, right? Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, though. You might tell them it's like when you tell your kid to do something and then someone else tells your kid to do the same thing and they listen to them it, it, is it, <laughs> you kind of isn't that frustrating <laughs> yeah exactly because i talk to my daughter uh she does judo and jujitsu and i talk to her and same thing that the coach says but when the coach says whoa it was the coach that said you know like <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah coach, coaches 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 have a superpower over the kids that's for sure yeah um they, uh they... the uh, the the school that you teach today is not the same as the one that you compete in the past, right? Like correct. How long you been on this one now? Um, I've been teaching at this current school now since September two thousand eighteen. So. Oh, two a little bit more than two years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is in Plano, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it called Plano Karate or is this a different name? That's like. That's like the easy website to get to, PlanoDeKarate.com. Uh, I'll show you here. It's a Texas Association of Shotokan Karate. Mm -hmm. 
So it is Shotokan's the specific style, and we're part of the Japan Karate Shotorinme, so JKS Federation, which is located in Japan. You know, they're in lockdown right now, and you know we're we're like everyone else. We're we're trying to uh, stay strong and keep going despite COVID. Have so. you ever been there, Maxine, in Japan? I went once, and that was my last international competition in October 2018, and it was amazing. Did you visit any any main place in Japan related to karate? Um, I went to the main square. I think what is it, Shinoda Square? Mm. It, you know, which is like the equivalent of you know Piccadilly Circus or Times Square, and it was it was amazing. I, I gotta admit, I want to go back. The moment everything's over with COVID, I'm gonna go back. You know? Yeah, because I was watching this. Uh... Uh, this weekend, uh, the IP Man. I'm not sure if you ever watched that movie. Yeah, it's amazing. Love that. I love that movie. Many the first one, and uh, when they were uh, IP Man is uh, Wing Shu, and yeah. uh, there was a, a moment that they, he fought uh, Japanese karate, uh, and it was amazing. It was beautiful to see. Yeah, it, there's a lot of lot of good schools. Not just in Texas but in the country and then of course internationally so and how is uh, our team US US team uh, compared to other teams in the globe because for example US judo is really good but we never really had success on the Olympics uh, for mm -hmm. for men female we had some really good judokas female right. but not men it's really hard we never right. really actually got a medal uh, on the Olympics uh, we got really close but never really got a medal I never won yeah. a medal, a uh, gold medal. Mm -hmm. I would say right now there's one uh, female athlete. She's qualified for the Olympics currently. Her name's Sakura Kokumai in kata, which is the forms. You know, she's ranked high enough where she's solidified her spot for the most part. And I've known her since she was 14 years old. She, her work ethic is beautiful. You know, it, it's like it's why she's who she is today as an athlete. There are a couple other athletes that are like close in the ranking, but they don't quite have enough points yet. So they're waiting to go to whatever final Premier League event will be in 2021 where they can earn points, or they'll all have to go to this last qualification tournament in Paris where it's going to be nine fights to determine who can get the final seats to go. But the kata so is only almost like a demonstration, right? It is, but the amount of training they do for it is pretty intense you know and there's there's still a lot of athleticism and you know don't don't watch the old karate kid movies for kata because the way they do kata now you know it's either a bit over the top or it's very genuine and beautiful you know and i'm really happy to say that like sakura is a great representative of what a japanese karate kata should look like awesome well, Maxine, yeah. uh, it was awesome, awesome chat with you. I, I'm so glad that you are going back to compete again. I always enjoy uh, looking at your pictures because uh, by the pictures we can see how intense you are, uh, probably <laughs> more than anyone else that I've seen pictures. You know, it, it looks like you are angry. You are going for like with anger. It's amazing to see those pictures. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hope yeah. that you you get a a, a good placing uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, Thank make you. sure to to post updates from the from the competition. Um, uh, and if you have when you have the website that will uh, stream, make sure to share as well. I will love to to watch the competition on Sunday. Um, that'll be great. 
yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the support. And again, thank you for your time. No, absolutely. I am the one to to be honored here. Sensei Maxine, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and again, good luck. Um, and see you next yeah. time, my friend. Anytime. Stay strong. You too. Take care.